Hey folks, there's big news out of the Supreme Court this week. The court's conservative majority blocked the Biden administration from enforcing its federal eviction moratorium, saying that only Congress holds the power to implement a moratorium, not the CDC. The court also dealt a blow to the Biden administration's immigration agenda by upholding a district court's decision that requires the Department of Homeland Security to reinstate the Trump-era remain-in-Mexico policy. In other news, a federal judge in Michigan imposed sanctions on the so-called Kraken lawyer, Sidney Powell, and other attorneys for filing a conspiracy-driven lawsuit on behalf of former President Trump that challenged the validity of the 2020 election. Joyce Vance and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with the listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. That's not the only Supreme Court case that is before us this week, Joyce. The shadow docket has been hard at work this week, right? There's, there's another one, and this relates to immigration. Now, people may recall that Donald Trump and his administration had a certain view of how people should be able to get asylum when they come into the United States. He adopted something called the Remain in Mexico policy. The formal name of the, of the policy was the Migrant Protection Protocols, which essentially meant that if you were coming to the United States from a third country, but coming through Mexico and presented yourself at the border of Mexico and the United States, the United States could send you back to the other side of the Mexican border. And then the Mexican government would have to deal with you know, you in your custody and follow humanitarian protocols that are enforced uh, around the world. But it was Mexico's problem in the interim. And therefore, the Trump administration argued that was better for safety, that was better for the economy, it was better for immigration policy overall. And then the Biden administration said, we're no longer gonna do it that way. And that has run into a big legal obstacle, which raises the question that you and I were talking about before we started taping, Joyce. If Trump adopts a policy, not gets a law passed through Congress, but adopts a policy, and a subsequent administration, in this case, the Biden administration, doesn't like it and wants to undo it, why can't they undo it as easily as Trump did it? Can you explain that to folks? So there's a law called the Administrative Procedure Act. And the way that this action by the Biden administration gets challenged is Texas and Missouri go to court, and they say that in ending the Remain in Mexico policy, the Biden administration acted in an arbitrary and a capricious fashion. That violates the law, and so Texas and Missouri have asked the court to put an end to the policy direction the Biden administration took here, and and they were successful this week. It's a very difficult and a challenging issue. Clearly, the heart of the Biden administration turned on what happened to these folks when they were returned to Mexico. They were in difficult and dangerous situations. There were widespread reports of sexual violence, of of drug cartel-laden violence, precisely the behavior many of these people had fled their homes to try to escape from. And now, because they couldn't be paroled into the United States while they were awaiting an immigration hearing, they were facing that same sort of violence. So this application comes up to the Supreme Court as part of the shadow docket. It goes through Justice Alito. And the Supreme Court denies the 
Biden administration's actions, as you say, giving them an inability to rescind what the Trump administration did because they say the Biden administration fails to show a likelihood of success on the merits of the claim that the memo that Secretary Mayorkas issued rescinding the policy wasn't arbitrary and capricious. Could it be any more confusing? I think this is our our day for procedurally confusing cases. One way to simplify it is to say, you know, executive orders are not able to just be suspended on a whim. That, you know, policies that are enacted have some stickiness, not the same stickiness as the Supreme Court binding ruling on the country, not as sticky as a congressional law dutifully enacted by both houses of Congress and signed by the president. But there's a general legal principle that if you're going to engage in some policy change, you have to explain it in good faith. And it can't be for bad reasons. And it can't be for, I'm I'm simplifying and, you know, sticklers will quibble with some of the ways that I'm simplifying this. But essentially you have to give reasons and they have to be given in good faith. There are other examples of this, analogs of this, that got the Trump administration in trouble as well. For example, in something I know near and dear to your heart, the way that the Trump administration tried to justify the inclusion of a question about citizenship on the census. And you would think that the presidential administration should be able to dictate that. It's a matter of policy, sort of, you know, within the bounds of what an executive can deal with. But part of the reason they lost on that and got clobbered on that was that they weren't being honest with the reasons why they wanted to include the citizenship question, right? Is that, do you find that to be similar to this or no? I think that that's similar. And, and of course, DACA, right, where, where that can't be reversed. Yeah. So, I mean, by the way, for those of you who are listening saying, well, this is BS, Biden's my guy, and I like the Biden policy, I don't like this remain in Mexico policy, he should be able to do whatever he wants. You know, the, the stickiness that I've referred to with respect to certain kinds of executive orders, you kind of want, right? Because sometimes you like the policy because president who enacted it is is someone who supports your point of view. And you want there to be some process and you want there to be some ability to fight back against a, a bad faith undoing of the policy. And that's exactly what happened with DACA and the policy for dreamers having a path to citizenship. So depending on on the issue, depending on who the president is at the time and depending on on what the, the legal reasoning is, people find themselves on other sides of the fence of these things. I think you've just given a really good explanation of the virtue of living in a rule of law country, right? Which is to say that you won't always like the people who are making the rules, even in a duly elected environment, but with protections in place, in the long run, everyone wins. I think I think that's right. Now, the other thing, keeping with the theme of good faith, the ruling here doesn't say that no matter what, under penalty of you know, imprisonment of Biden and his entire administration, you must restore the remain in Mexico policy. The court understands that it might be impossible to reinstate because the remain in Mexico policy as an initial matter, when the Trump administration put it into place, had to be done with a lot of negotiation with the Mexican government, of course. And, you know, there were carrots and sticks, I presume, in negotiating that. And now that it's not happening, there would have to be a renegotiation with Mexico and its government to go back to that earlier status quo, as is noted in the proceedings, quote, the injunction only requires good faith on the part of the United States. If the government's good faith efforts to implement MPP, that's the Remain in Mexico policy, are thwarted by Mexico, it nonetheless will be in compliance with the district court's order 
so long as it also adheres to the rest of the statutory requirements, end quote. Now, that presents a bit of a moral hazard, one might argue, because the administration doesn't want to go back to the earlier protocol, although it's required to do so, but only required to exert good faith in going back to the earlier protocol that it does not like and that it fought against. So how do you judge and measure good faith effort to go back to a policy that the administration admittedly doesn't like? It feels like this is a real roadmap for the Biden administration to, uh, you know, prevent a return to remain in Mexico. To your question of, of good faith, the Biden administration can literally comply with the court order here and still avoid reinstating the policy. They can act in, in good faith. I don't know. I guess the question you're asking is, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Mexico. You know, you guys don't want to continue to house these people. We'd like to parole them into the U.S., so do what you need to do. Is that bad faith? And if so, what would courts do about it? I think that, you know, this is wide open. Yeah, it's very subjective. It's very hard to measure. This concept of good faith exists in a lot of areas of law including, you know, very fundamentally in contract law. People have a good faith obligation to do many things in connection with a binding contract. And sometimes it's the case that the standard being applied to one of the parties to a contract is not just mere good faith, but best efforts. It's been a long time since I studied contract law. But but that's a little bit, that's a bit of a more stringent obligation. And I wonder if there was some legal way for the court to impose a higher obligation, not just good faith, but some analog of best efforts that could then be adjudicated later uh, when litigants said, well, the government really didn't try. The ambassador called up and said, you don't want to go back to this old protocol, do you, Mexico? Mexico says, no. And you're like, well, I tried. gave it a shot in good faith. (laughs) Does that count or not? Uh, You know, I I don't know. But I don't know that we're going to be returning to that policy. The real problem here is this long-term prescription against the courts wading too far into foreign policy. And they're obviously aware of that here. So they're doing everything that they can to get the Biden administration to temper its behavior. And there was some suggestion, Preet, you may remember this early on at least, that the Biden administration did want some of these folks to remain in Mexico pending their immigration hearings. That seemed to evaporate rather rapidly. But this need for the courts to avoid interfering with foreign policy, because speaking of turnabout is fair play, that could certainly rebound with a different court and a different administration down the road, and I don't think that they wanted to upset that balance. But that really means that there are very few teeth here, and it also keeps them from imposing any kind of a higher standard here than good faith, I think. I just really like the point that you're making that, you know, whether or not people like nationwide injunctions depends on their politics, but it's an essential feature of the courts if we're going to have good government. You know, it goes to this issue that is often in dispute. Are judges and voters, for that matter, taking a particular side on an issue because of the result that they want, as opposed to whether or not it is constitutionally or statutorily sound? You know, and I guess people in the country are allowed to be on both sides of the fence on on these things, depending on where they stand and depending on what the issue is. But for the system of law to work properly, lawyers can't be that way, which maybe is a very good segue (laughs) to our third and final topic that relates to the proper duties and obligations of lawyers, the Kraken lawyers. Do you want to remind folks who the Kraken lawyers are? And we'll talk about (laughs) what has just happened to them. Right. So... 
I don't know about you, Preet, but in my uh, house, we're big fans of the movie Clash of the Titans. And literally every time it's on TV. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the Insider community, thank you for supporting our work.